Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. If you're frustrated with your progress in the government market, Skyway's team of former contracting officers helps customers just like you to move faster, win more contracts, and manage the contracts you have more efficiently. This week, Kevin talks about equitable adjustments with Gene Lavastida. Gene runs a veteran-owned small business based in Norman, Oklahoma that provides architect engineering services to the government. We've touched on equitable adjustments many times in the past on the podcast. We'll probably have a couple deep dive episodes in the future. Now let's get started with Kevin and Gene's conversation about an equitable adjustment that occurred on one of Gene's programs. Here we go. It's so a contract management. It's not a one-size-fits-all playbook, right? And in one of our recent podcast surveys, the same as came in last year as well, is this concept of negotiations. It's a very popular topic. And the reason I asked you to be on the podcast is that you have great examples of, of an equitable adjustment being part of a negotiation. So just like contract management, negotiation, and in this case, equitable adjustments, is not a one-size-fits-all. But it does require a lot of communication. Well, so what, so what kind of services, this, this is architectural engineering, is it services, is it design work? Like, what are we talking about? It's design work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're, you're designing a building, and so and why, why did you're designing the, 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 the construction, or is this a, a modification to a building? It's a modification to the existing facility. So a lot of these uh, federal agencies or the buildings are pretty dated, so a lot of the systems are, are dated, and uh, just need to be replaced. I think this particular project dealt with a mechanical system that was there since, I don't know, It's it's been there forever. I mean, we went down there to look at the, the unit and it's like, where did they get this thing? You know, it, typically they're all packaged and nice and neat. And this one looks like kind of like a, it looked like Frankenstein. You know, I think it was a custom system even back then. It was doing the job, but I think definitely needed to be replaced. So what kind of are we talking about electrical system? We talking- air handling unit. Okay. Fairly large air handling unit, probably fifty tons. It, it was so uh, custom back then that you couldn't really they couldn't get parts for it, on the, and they had everything had to be custom made. So that was the other issue there was just just, just getting replacement parts or doing anything on it was was a little bit costly too. So they just wanted to modernize it and you know make sure everything was was up to speed okay so so this contract is to design and, and modernize the air handling system for an entire building and a fifth by the way 50 ton i think my ac system on my house is like is it a half ton does that sound about right so this is a really really big system yeah now now why did you target this opportunity in particular well at the at the time we were a fairly small company uh just getting started into ae work and particularly with this one agency of course, I you always want to go chase the big contracts, but we want to start small and and grow smart. So we targeted simplified acquisitions, and this was one of them that that came up on our radar. So in addition to that, this particular facility, we saw the the need for another AE to come in and and be their their guys, you know. So there was also kind of a marketing element to the us chasing this requirement. So meaning that. That when you say another AE, you're talking about another architectural engineering firm, because a lot of myself included, a lot of people don't know yeah. <laughs> like how this process works. 
So you, you want to be their go-to for all the design work. So this right. is really yeah. good. Typically each, each facility will have a couple different firms that will do work for them because they've got to spread it out and there's so much work to do, to be done, especially in these uh, facilities or the agent facilities, they'll have a couple different ones that they like to work with and then uh, just continue to, to work with them. So that was our, our, one of our major intensive chasing this one. Okay. And so the, the idea being that this is the 20% relationship. It's, there's a process behind it, but you got to you got to target the right organizations that you know will use you, you know are looking for companies like yours, you know will use you over the long term, and that's why they're in, it's, it's worth investing the time and and working through this equitable adjustment that you said that you know took several months to to resolve. Yeah, that was a it was an extremely informative process uh, for me, and I think the for our our uh, contracting officer representative as well. So. I think it was beneficial for all the way around. What, what do they call this? Experiential learning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Figuring it out while you're, while you're doing it? Yeah. And so you had a, a misaligned understanding of what, what it costs to do the work in one of, your, one of your contracts. Is that where this came from? Yes, uh-huh. absolutely. So what, what, was the, what was the situation that led to the misalignment of, of understanding? Well, you know, initially just reviewing the scope of work. So take the scope of work. And uh, as AEs, you typically have historical data for projects you've done. So you've uh, collected all this information that, you know, this type of project usually comes in at this square foot number uh, based on the, the final bid that the contractor submits. And you kind of, you just compile all that information and you have a list of a good idea. You end up having a good idea of what the project will be, what the scope of work how that aligns with the actual cost, the construction cost that they're estimating. So we, you know, we went through the scope of work in, in uh, detail, myself and our uh, engineers, and said there's, there's not what they're asking for and what the, you're uh, estimating the cost to be is not, doesn't look right. And th- we went back and forth for about two months just on that initial uh, discussion, say this is not, lined up it needs to be this and you're showing this you know where did you come up with this number you know we're trying to get them to 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 understand this is not lining up and so we went back and forth for a couple months they came back said you know what that is that's not the right number that's this is uh actually your the ae fee is in that number and it needs to be less than that they're like man i hope i didn't like hack somebody off and now they're they're trying to uh (laughs) Trying to trying to run us off now, but uh, you know we didn't. I didn't understand where they're getting their numbers from and what was in that. Uh, so when I asked them that, I was hey, are you considering this for this type of project? You're going to need, you know, something that's kind of not ex- directly relevant to that, but it's something that's going to be necessary. I said, did you consider this, or is this in your cost? And, uh, you know, we didn't get any reply or, or uh, any confirmation or, of that. So we just kind of had to push through and see how much we could uh, get them to adjust it. And uh, ultimately we did. They bumped it up a little bit, but still not uh, to the extent that we thought was, was uh, you know, reasonable considering the scope of work that they had. Well, let's, let's back up for a second so everybody understands what an equitable adjustment is. And so the book answer is an equitable adjustment is a contract adjustment pursuant to the changes clause. And we have a podcast about that. It's designed to compensate the contractor for expenses incurred due to actions by the government or to compensate the government for contract reductions. So in other words, it's an, it's an, you're adjusting the value of the contract. And 
our answer, of course, is this is negotiation 101. This is the basis of pretty much every negotiation I can think of post-award is, is that we're coming up with, okay, we need to adjust the contract equitably. And a fancy term for that is equitable adjustment. Does that answer or does that description jive with your experience managing this equitable adjustment process? Well, when, it, when I looked at this, I knew I was, we were rewarded the contract and following through, I always knew that we were going to uh, apply for equitable adjustment because of the, the kind of the misalignment of the scope and the contract fee. Now, when I when it got to the point where I uh, was ready to do that, I, I looked at this exact definition and tried to uh, make my case, you know, to the fact that you know, compensating the contract for expenses incurred due to actions of the government. There wasn't a addition to the scope, but there was always a misalignment of the the fee and the scope of work. So. You know, right off the bat, after we got awarded that contract, I was documenting at every phase of our submissions. This is what still needs to happen that's not in the scope of work. If you want a complete project and uh, you want this whole system to work together without having to do anything else, I was always documenting what the shortfalls were and where the gaps were. And then that information is what I took with me to apply for the equitable adjustment. So kind of fitting, trying to fit that this definition in with what we had to work with was kind of a uh, little bit of a learning curve. And that's what the, the problem with the book answer is it takes, it does not include the term communication. It doesn't even include the term misalignment. The definition of how they're owed it, and it could be, in, in this case, it was a misunderstanding of what can actually be done within the current scope. We can make it work, but it's not going to work well. It's not going to work like you want it to. I mean, if you just want to be able to to have it stay alive, have this have this, this HVAC system, this 50-ton HVAC system keep breathing, okay. <laughs> but I think what you actually wanted is for it to be a turnkey system that will work efficiently forever. Right. And that's a different def- – and that's why, the, that's why the, the book answer is – oh, not always. But the book answer is most often going to fall short of that key element of communication. Mm-hmm. Our intent was to get, obviously, get more fee out of it, but we wanted to, ultimately was what we wanted the facility to feel good about what we did. Uh, we could have easily just done the bare minimum just to get, you know, get it done and out the door, but we wanted to leave them with a, because we wanted to be one of their AEs to work with, we wanted to give them a uh, value added for our service and, and let them know that, look, we can do this. Yes, just like you want, but this is a better for the facility, for the veterans there, or any of the occupants there that uh, give you a well-rounded project in the end. Well, let's put the timelines on this, or the, the time zones on this. And so right where we have the acquisition time zones, this has already been awarded, and we're in the execution time zones. And, and really, we're talking about the honeymoon zone and the performance zone. So we're after contract award, you're just kind of getting started, you're, you're, you're trying to make sure we have a clear understanding of, of what the customer wants in the end and does that perfectly align with what's written in the contract. And that's, I don't want to say often, but that's how that's often what the honeymoon zone will feel like. This is actually going to do exactly what the customer wants. And it may be 90% there. It may be in some, some cases it's 60% there. And yes, you got to stay within scope. I mean, there's a different conversation there. But what you're describing is there was a miscommunication or misunderstanding of what could be done versus what's actually 
just like you mentioned a minute ago, just a bare minimum. That the goal here isn't the is it really shouldn't be the bare minimum. So let's touch on why this is so important. My answer is the changes happen. The perfect contract that never has to be modified is a unicorn. It's just it's not going to happen. And now, especially when these are long term contracts, that either it's a longer term contract of performance if it's a service contract, or it has a longer term impact, like what you're talking about. They, they don't want to repair this 50 ton AC system for an entire design building every year. It's like, do it once, do it right and have it be good forever. And we can move on to all the other things we need to fix. When did you know that the equitable adjustment process was a way that you would solve this? Oh, I knew that before the, before the award of our initial contract, I think that uh, my, the intent was there. I didn't know if we were, what the end result was going to be. So that's why, you know, I just continually documented the shortcomings of the scope and the contract. So I had everything that I needed to to present my case, and and did you feel like they didn't understand the whole picture? No, I think they they understood. It's uh, I think with every agency, it's always about nobody wants to go back for more money. I don't know what uh, I'm sure there's a lengthy process to do that, and you know I don't know if anybody gets in trouble for for because of that or if uh, how that all plays out in the in the you know in the back end. But I think especially the the engineer that was on site he definitely understood that there was a need to apply for a request for a upper adjustment and uh it was definitely someone that helps us to do that because he knew that you know he saw that the work we were putting in and the scope was out you know out of uh out of range with the uh, with the fees so that was extremely helpful at the end of the day the customer needs the contract to work and and if they're not if they're, if they're seeing, that's an interesting point, having the customer, the end customer, not, not the contract, the contracting officer, have the end customer see that it's going to take more to get what we really want done. Mm-hmm. Communicating with your customer, what do you want this overall contract to look like? And then the process to be able to make the contract closer to perfect, basically, is to get, is the equitable adjustment process. Because the end result is that, in, in this case, the customer got a better product, you guys got a reasonable fee. And there's a whole podcast about why profit matters. As far as using the equitable adjustment process to negotiate a solution, both government and industry, in your case, you know, your company, could live with and perform with and serve the customer with, that's kind of the whole point of an equitable adjustment because it's equitable to both sides. So why should the government care about this? I'll, I'll jump on that one. Is that customers are fickle. I mean, this, this is how this process, this equitable adjustment process is how a, we as a contracting officer would actually support them. And you know, I, I had a contract, it was a small, smaller, probably $30 million uh, overall, smaller services contract. And we ran into situations where what it cost us to get the service did not align with what the, con- what the contractor thought it was going to cost. And until we had an equitable adjustment process to say, okay, what's missing here? And there were tax implications and there were, there were travel and there's all these little pieces that I just didn't see. So when I was pulling on the string to say, Hey, come this way, you can do this over here. And what I didn't realize is behind the curtain, the string I was pulling was causing a ripple effect (laughs) throughout the company that's causing additional costs. And so yours is similar in, in terms of, yes, we can do the basic here, but we have to communicate what is the overall need because I can't do what you want for this price. I can make it work. But if you want it to be fixed for the long term, it's a different conversation. And so at, from the CEO's perspective, understanding, like you just mentioned, Gene, the, the government engineer, the customer, 
is saying, hmm, this isn't lining up. The way you get it to line up as a CO is the equitable adjustment process. So having a clear understanding of what the other side's going through and what the customer is trying to get done will lead to a resolution a lot faster. Okay, so now why does the industry care? Now, I'll, I'll let you kind of jump on this one. Is you know Why was it so important for you to get through the equitable adjustment process? Well, to make money, you know, uh, to make money and to, to uh, I, we were always going to do what was required to get a comprehensive project done and to make, make it something that's usable without having the, you know, the end users of the, the contracting officer say, hey, you only did this part and we, you know, we still need to, to do this other thing. And, you know, why did we do that initially? So that, and then that's kind of why we, we didn't not fight with them or, but we continually brought it to their attention. This is why we feel like it's going to cost more to do. So I think there was always to get a whole project uh, and to get compensated for it. Yes, it's really, really to get a whole solution. So right. the equitable adjustment process is how the, the contractor the, the provider of service or product can actually make sure that the whole solution is there. And granted, these don't always pan out perfectly, but the process to actually negotiate is the equitable adjustment process. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll have to do a, a separate podcast specifically. <laughs> we have already done one on what, uh, what an equitable adjustment is. So, all right. So we, we could talk, this is a fun topic. It's got lots of rabbit holes to run down, but we'll, let's wrap this up. And so after award, Everything is nearly everything is negotiable as long as it's within the scope of the contract. But the equitable part, that equitable adjustment, there's a trade among the parties that has to be equitable. That is the negotiation piece. And that will almost always be a little bit thorny, but it starts with communication. And in, and in your and the reason I like your story is that it was a great example of the communication between the customer, the engineer, the user, the one who, who needed the system to work, and then you as the, the middleman, for lack of a better term, and the government. The equitable adjustment process touches all three of them. But if, if all three are communicating, you get an end result that gets a bigger, a slightly bigger contract. It's not a bigger scope. It's a, it's a bigger solution because the scope of the contract was replace this system. But now you're doing it pr- properly. Yes, it costs a little bit more money. Yes, the government's paying a little bit more for it. Yes, you're getting a little bit more fee, but it's now profitable for you. And it's now an effective contract for the future, which that's kind of the point of all this. <laughs> We've got to think longer than the contract that's right in front of our nose. Mm-hmm. So for people who want to learn more about the story, get to know you better, what's the best way for folks to contact you? Uh, definitely connect with me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, it could be Prime Architects or uh, myself, Gene Lavastida. It's uh, L-A-V-A-S-T-I-D-A. Awesome. In fact, you and I met on LinkedIn because you were in the, uh, the Contracting Officer Podcast Network group. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. where I first found you because you've been a longtime podcast listener. Yes, Absolutely. Well, thanks for your time, Gene. I appreciate you being on here and and sharing your story so the government folks understand how the EA process can impact contractors and and, and really just being engaged with what we're trying to do to make government contracts better one contract at a time. Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, appreciate being here. That's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, Skyway Acquisition, and thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week.